Welcome to Faith Meets Mental Health Podcast, a ministry of Fraser Church. This week you will hear from Krista Letson, pastor of missions at Asbury Church in Madison, Alabama, who recently presented at Fraser's May 6th Mental Health Summit on Boundaries as the Gift of Limits, How Honoring Ourselves Honors Others. Following her healing journey, Krista first call into ministry was through the world of counseling. During this vocational season, she worked as a college career counselor and in the mental health agency setting. Chris's second call was into pastoral ministry. What a great day it looks like you've had. My husband and I drove in just a bit ago Y'all, my mom graduated from college today at age 69. Isn't that the coolest? So we've been a bit of the road warriors today, but I am so glad to be here. We are gonna be talking about boundaries today. And I remember the day that I was introduced to boundaries. I walked into my counselor Ron's office and he recommended a, a book to me He said, I think you need to read this book, Krista. It's called Boundaries. And I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting. Never heard of that. Maybe I'll read the book. I remember the day about three weeks later, I walked back into his office with this book, this copy right here. And I sat my sassy self down in his office. And I told him, I said, I finished it. What's next? Because that's how I am. Check one thing off the list, let's go on to the another. And he said, read it again. And I thought he probably didn't hear me. And so I said, well, no, you didn't hear me. I said, I finished it. And he said, I know, I heard you, read it again. And that is how my story began with boundaries. And almost 25 years later, I started counseling at a very, very young age. That was a joke, y'all. I know it's the end of the day, but that was a joke. I have come a long way, but I know I am still learning and still growing, and I appreciate the panel conversation and the reference to boundaries and how important it is that we take care of ourselves, and so that's what I want us to talk about today. Just so you know, I'm not sharing anything that I have figured out. I mean, I still have a lot of room to grow. You can ask the significant people in my life, but for the last 16 years, My life's work has fallen into the realm of the helping profession, first in counseling, and then now in vocational ministry. And what I have come to learn about this conversation in boundaries is it's not decreasing in importance, it's increasing in importance. That's been my experience. I find I'm talking about this with people more often than less often. And my guess is that's been your experience as well. You know, Cloud and Townsend write in their book that boundaries define us. Boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. And then they use this analogy of a fence with a gate that opens. And so the idea is that boundaries keep unhealthy things out, but they let healthy things in. And so this afternoon, as we wrap up this amazing day, I want us to think about boundaries in the context of limits, specifically the gift of limits and how when we honor others, we are actually honoring ourselves. We do have a bit of a problem we need to talk about first. We have access to everything all the time, don't we? 
All the time, everywhere, we have access 24-7, and this can lead to information overload. Now, this isn't a wholesale attack on social media or technology. I personally am quite the fan of my smartphone and this neat little navigation feature. That means it tells me where to go. I don't even have to look. I just turn her voice on and she tells me where to turn. It's been a game changer for me since I have such a bad sense of direction. But we all know there are real problems with the amount of access that we have to virtually everything. In November 2022, the American Psychological Association published an article titled, Media Overload is Hurting Our Mental Health. And they noticed a specific type of stress that has emerged one that they referred to as media saturation overload. We're not computers, are we? We're human beings with limits, even though we may resist that. Or maybe we'll give a tip of the hat to it in theory, but then we live functionally as if we don't have limits. In short, humans don't like limits. Just tell a darling little two-year-old no, and you'll see that, right? We run in all directions, all the time, constantly pouring out, never being properly refilled, and we wonder why we're impatient, exhausted, and half as productive as we would like to be. Now let's be clear, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm speaking from experience. Because I had my own recent crash and burnout. I thought I was just really tired from some busy work seasons. It'll settle down soon, I told myself. It will be fine, I told myself. But one busy season followed another busy season in a line of perpetual busy seasons. And then in a dark place, I had a moment of clarity in the midst of the fog that the world is not going to stop spinning so I might as well learn how to minimize the motion sickness. That part is on me. So that's what I did, and I certainly didn't do it alone. It took me a few years to climb out. Some incredibly patient and loving people around me, some of whom are in this room today, counseling, coaching, it was a dark and painful time, and I faced some really hard truths I processed a lot of grief and loss that needed to be taken care of, and it was a total reset for me in every way. And I made it, and I am not going back. And so it has invigorated a passion in me around this topic that has been so transformative in my own life around boundaries and what does it mean for us to take care of ourselves. I don't have to tell you that the mental health crisis is not losing steam. We absolutely need to have solid psychoeducation about boundaries or limits or differentiation, whatever word that we choose to use. And of course, we are going to continue to pursue and employ effective therapeutic strategies and techniques. Of course, we will continue to do all these. But I have to tell you, that is not why I'm here today. I'm pretty clear about why I'm here. And it's not to share some new cutting edge strategy about boundaries or some kind of magic bullet. I truly believe I'm here for you. For the therapist who sits across from client after client after client hearing the pain and brokenness and grief and trauma, 
for the professional who's on the front lines, from the person who's in ministry, figuring out how do I do all of this and not lose my own self, I'm here for you. But can we be real together? Can we do that? I need to, I need to be in a place where I can be real. In the midst of the life's work we have been called to, amazing work that we have been called to, and we have answered that call, and with God's help and by his grace and in the power of his spirit, we are walking that out. In the midst of dealing with all the brokenness in other people's lives, we have our own brokenness. And we have our own pain and our own grief and trauma to walk through, our own unmet expectations of what life would look like, along with the hope and the dreams that we all have. So I have a question for you, actually a couple. What's the state of your own mental health? More importantly, for people of faith, how is your soul? How is it really? Not, oh, it's fine, it'll be fine, I'll just get through this busy season and everything will be fine. I want you to ask yourselves, as we wrap up this incredible day, how is your soul? Are we practicing what we're preaching or are we just preaching what we're preaching? So we need to be really careful that we are living this out. We're living this out. I have this book that I refer to all the time. It's called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Practices That Transform Us. The author's name is Adele Alberg Calhoun. And in her chapter on self-care, she drops this truth bomb that I have to share with y'all today. She writes, our tiredness reveals that we are not infinite beings. We need boundaries. We need rest. We need to say no as well as yes. We need to know that what we can do sometimes, we cannot do all the time. Somebody needs to write that last part down, so I'm gonna say it again. What we can do sometimes, we cannot do all the time. I don't know if you've heard of an author and pastor named Peter Scazzaro. Any, any Peter Scazzaro people? Oh, you're my people. Oh, you're my people. He led New Life Fellowship Church in Brooklyn for over 25 years, and then he stepped away to found a ministry, co-found a ministry called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He's also authored a book by the same name. He has a podcast called Emotionally Healthy Leadership. I wish he was giving me royalties because I'm going on and on about him, but he is really solid and trusted, and so I would absolutely commend his work to you. As I was um, looking at something he was doing recently, I ran across a quote on the topic of limits and busyness. And he says this about his own life. He said, a biblical perspective on limits has been core to God's transformative work in me for over 30 years. It is a critical missing link in our discipleship, our families, and our churches. And then he goes on to say this, when people say to me, Pete, I know you're busy, but might you be willing to help me with something? I smile, he says, and I slowly reply. Well, you see, I'm not busy, I'm just limited. We are limited by God's design, and it is a gift. And yet, in our desire to help others 
and live out our own callings, we often push past or flat out ignore our limits. We put our heads down and we motor through and in the process we can forget that we are human beings, not human doings, as I heard somebody say many years ago. And so Pete Scazzaro offers these words of wisdom to followers of Jesus, and I think they are so applicable for us today. Listen to this. He says, when our doing for Jesus goes beyond our being with or abiding in Jesus, we are in deep trouble. Amen. Instead of living out of emotional spiritual fullness, it only takes one triggering event or conversation to get derailed. And then he lists some indicators to know if you've moved away from a place of being centered with Jesus. So how about we do a little personal inventory? You don't have to talk to your neighbor about it. But I just wanna, I mean, you can if you want to, I guess. That'd be awesome. But I want us to think very honestly about the state of our own soul and what's going on. So here's what Pete Scazzaro says. I know my doing exceeds my being when I can't shake the pressure I feel from having too much to do in too little time. Ouch. I know my doing exceeds my being when I'm ignoring the stress, anxiety, and tightness in my own body. Or when I'm fearful about the future, I'm always rushing. I know my doing exceeds my being when I am preoccupied and distracted or when I spend more time talking than listening. If any of these resonate with you, let's take it on as an opportunity for growth, a chance to connect more deeply with Jesus, abiding in him, just like we read in John 15, and see, when we live from this posture of abiding in Jesus, we help others from a place of who we are in Jesus before a single thing we do for Jesus. And so let's not get that confused. We lead as helpers in ministry, in the mental health world, whatever it is, from a place of who we are in Jesus rather than what we do for him. It's a game changer. You know, self-care has become quite the buzzword, and I I hesitate to use it because the solution to our deep need for wholeness is not gonna be solved by an afternoon at the spa or an afternoon movie. So what I wanna do instead is use Parker Palmer's definition in an amazing book called Let Your Life Speak. I ran across it many years ago, have reread it multiple times. Listen to this, he writes, self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer others. Self-care, it's not selfish. It's simple good stewardship of the only gift I have to, the only gift I have to give. See, the conversation of self-care shifts when we approach it from a place of stewardship, doesn't it? I mean, that, that changes it for me. Does that change it for you? When we think about self-care in terms of stewardship, we have all kinds of passages throughout scripture that can help us with this. One of my favorites is Romans 12, really the whole chapter, but I wanna read verses one and two for you. And I wanna read it from the message because I believe it offers us some solid guidance on how we can steward our lives, particularly as those who are pouring out for other people. So here's what I want you to do. 
God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, if this is a picture of the life that we wanna live, it's possible we need some tools to help us along the way. Tools that may be particularly help, helpful for those times that our boundaries are weak or worn or just flat out gone. So I wanna share a few. Some of these are some of my own tools in my toolbox, uh, tried and true. Some of them are more recent and I'm still fleshing those out, but I wanna share and then maybe this will prompt your thinking to some of the tools you have in your own toolbox as we embrace the gift of limits. First one, okay, this might be my favorite one, but I don't know, we'll see as we get to the other ones. First one, laugh it out, laugh it out. Okay, I have a confession to make. I am a terrible joke teller. I mean, I didn't think I was that bad. But I normally have to get somebody to help me get the joke started. I often forget the punchline, and I literally laugh all the way through it, literally. In fact, my husband said, you know, you could tell the cucumber and pickle joke, and I just bust, burst out laughing. I was like, no, I can't do that. All the way through the entire process. I mean, just thinking about a joke makes me laugh. Two words, knock, knock, gets me every single time. At some point, I began to notice when I would announce I had a joke that people would stop me, like groups of people would just suddenly say, no, no, we don't have time. It's gonna take you 20 minutes to get through a simple knock-knock joke. And then my husband told me that you're really not supposed to announce you have a joke. You're supposed to just tell the joke. You can see it's not, not going well for me. Well, as it turns out, it doesn't matter if I am a good joke teller, because I've been told a number of times that me trying to tell a joke is actually funnier than any joke I would ever tell anyway. I don't care because it still sounds like success. We're all laughing it out. In 2001, the Mayo Clinic published an article addressing the benefits of laughter in reducing stress. Now we know this, don't we? We all know this, but are we practicing it? Or are we just talking about it and reading it? Listen to some of these effect, the, some of the benefits. Stimulating our hearts, lungs, and muscles as well as increasing endorphins, reducing tension, improving mood. We could go on and on and on. And if you're concerned that you don't really have a good sense of humor, the article said one of the key points that you can do to improve your sense of humor is to find a few knock-knock jokes. Google knock-knock jokes for kids, trust me on this one. Like add the for kids part, for real, okay? All right, second thing. I think we need to give gratitude a go. We need to give gratitude a go. Now, as followers of Jesus who are committed to his ways, gratitude isn't just a way to encourage positive thinking, although it does. 
But for us, gratitude is one of our responses to all that God has done for us. But we get in the grind of the day-to-day, don't we? And we can forget the many blessings and gifts we have right in front of us. So pull up your notes app on your phone or go old school and get a notebook and a pen and list all that you're grateful for and I'll just bet you'll have a very lengthy list. It's a great strategy. This next one is a new one. Uh, I call it the the 24-hour rule. My husband and I have recently initiated this into our lives. So it's a new practice for us. We are both in ministry in the local church and uh, while ministry never sleeps or rests, we certainly have to. And so part of what we have found is if we're not careful, our already full calendars can become even more full when we have an opportunity to connect with someone, which we love being able to do. So just within the last couple of months, we have said, okay, before we say yes to anything that's outside of what we already have scheduled, we're gonna press pause and we're gonna wait 24 hours. We're gonna pray about it, we're gonna check with each other on that, and then we're gonna see if that's something that we can do. And y'all, I have to tell you, it's been very freeing. It's a great reminder that really, we're just not that important, necessary, or essential. And so we just take a moment, create some space, think it through before we add something else to our calendar that when we get there, we think, why did I do that? I'm so tired anyway, this has been a game changer for us. We also need to clear the clutter. Where are those places in your life that collect clutter? I mean, this could be like actual physical clutter. It's, for some reason, it's our kitchen table in our house. I don't know, it's just two of us and the dog that live at our house, but still, it's, it's a thing. Is it your car, is it your desk, ladies, is it your purse? For some of us, we can't think unless everything is in its place. And for some of you in the room, you can't think if everything is in its place. Right? But let's not forget noise. What I think might possibly be the greatest clutterer of our time. Do I have any fellow introverts in the room? Oh, you're my people too, yeah. For my fellow introverts in the room, um, I don't know about you, and, and maybe some of you who are extroverted as well, if I go too long, without there being some silence, I get a little crispy. Nobody needs crispy Krissa. And we sure don't need extra crispy Krissa. So I don't know what this looks like for you. All I'm saying is it's really important. Figure out the clutter in your life, internally and externally, and do something about it because we honor ourselves and others when we intentionally clear our internal clutter to create space to think and to feel and to process. So I challenge you to give that a try and see what ripple effects it creates in other areas of your life. Question, how deeply are you breathing right now? Look, I just saw some of y'all take a big deep breath, right? We know we need to breathe deeply, but we get in the middle of our daily activities or we're thinking about something or we're focusing on something Maybe we're stressed or really anxious about something and we stop breathing deeply. Four square breathing is one of those grounding techniques I use very often with people regardless of what they're going through. And I have to tell you, I used it just last week when I was flying back from a 
a conference in Houston. I knew we were gonna be in trouble when they got on the intercom to basically say, buckle up, buttercup. Now, she didn't use the word buttercup. She did not sound quite so friendly. But apparently, we were about to encounter moderate turbulence, exact words. I don't like minimal turbulence. And so, I felt myself stop breathing. And so, I just practiced this technique. And I prayed like crazy. And here I am. It also revealed, just as a side note, that I do indeed still have some latent control issues, but that's something to take up with my therapist. So anyway, remember to breathe, it's really important. Last one I wanna mention is build your muscle. And I do mean our actual muscles, because that's good for us, but that's not actually the muscle I'm referring to here. Here I'm talking about our resilience muscle. Resilience is defined as the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. And I believe it is a power tool in our toolbox, power tool. One of the ways I've been building my resilience muscle is with a new practice that I ran across in a book called Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. I was listening to it on a walk one day and he talked about benevolent detachment. Has anybody heard that phrase? Yeah, benevolent detachment. It was a new phrase for me. But he describes benevolent detachment as the continual act of releasing everything and everyone to Jesus based on the verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. And it goes something like this. I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. So before I go into that meeting that I know is gonna kick up some stuff, I'm practicing, I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. Before I have that phone call that I'm not quite sure is gonna turn out, I take a deep breath in. I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. It's not emotional cutoff. It is a kind detachment, a way of honoring our limits, which in turn honors others. So give that a try and see how that creates a healthy boundary in your own mind and heart. Okay, as we're wrapping it up, I've got some good news and some bad news. I'm gonna give you the bad news first. I'm not even gonna ask. Here's the bad news. We do not have what it takes we do not have what it takes to do all that we have on our plates by just gritting our teeth and muscling through for the 100th time. We're just not that strong or powerful or smart or accomplished or fill in the blank with whatever. We're just not. That's the bad news. But here is the good news. For people of faith in Jesus, we don't have to be. We don't have to be because we have a strength and a power inside of us to do things we could never accomplish on our own anyway, and that is good news. It's really good news. We all have stories of growth. You have your story with all of the circumstances and details and, and faces, and 
I have mine. And we all have these stories of places where we were, maybe we were in a pit or whatever language you use to describe that. And then something happens and we experience this time of growth and transformation. We all have those. And I think it's really important to reflect on those and give thanks to God for the ways that he has intervened in our lives in so many ways. My own story of growth and transformation involves an incredibly gifted mental health professional named Ron who told me about the Boundaries book and told me to read it again. I think he actually wanted me to read it again after I finished the second time. I, was a, I thought it was a little rude, actually, that he recommended it again, but whatever. He also grasped the link between faith and mental health before we were all talking about it and having summits years ago. Almost 25 years ago, he saw how powerful that link was. And that time period in my life changed everything for me, everything. One of the key factors in that season was learning that I'm limited. And that's actually a gift. It is by God's design. So when I learn with God's help and by his grace how to honor myself and the limits he's given me, then I in turn can honor others. And so Pastor Chris, Kim, Frazier, all the, the guest speakers, everybody that's here today, this is significant. I know this is the second year, but this is significant that we're having this conversation with this many people in the room. And I don't know about you, but I am really encouraged. I'm really, really encouraged. So thank you all for starting the conversation. Let's keep it going. It's so incredibly important. Very important. See, I believe we're all here because someone invested in us along the way. Can you think of some of those people in your mind, of the people that have invested in you along the way? Maybe it was a counselor or a sports coach or a family member. Um, perhaps it was a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, whoever that might be. But someone invested in you along the way and helped you grow. And so part of your story is the growth and transformation because somebody invested in you. And now here you are, learning how to be better equipped to invest in those that you encounter. And so as we close, I have a message to share with you that I want you all to hear loud and clear. Loud and clear. Your work matters. Your work matters. And I say that because I don't know that anybody has told you that recently. So if you're exhausted or burnt out or you're frustrated or you're feeling like you're throwing a single cup of water on a raging forest fire, I want you to know your work matters. Those conversations you have behind private, confidential, closed doors, it's a sacred, special place because I believe when others invite us into their pain and their most raw and vulnerable moments, that is holy ground. That's what you're a part of. 
Your work matters. So be encouraged. Take all that you've learned today, be encouraged. Embrace the gift of limits. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Honor yourself so you can honor others. Be refilled by God's power and his grace in fresh ways so that you can go and fill others. Embrace your limits. They're a gift from God. Honor yourself so you can go and honor others. Since the theme of the day is living with hope, I want to close with one of my favorite prayers in scripture. It's found in Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. May it be so. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review wherever you get your podcast. And remember, you can view these episodes on our YouTube channel as well as youtube.com slash Church.